You're listening to Crawl Radio. We're um, here with Clem and Jackie Bam, our favourite artists come journalists. Uh, they're here for a big, big news week with some very important topics to discuss. Uh, but before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that Crawl Radio uh, broadcasts and operates on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, we pay our respect to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome to the Clam and Jackie Bam Show. Hello, wonderful people. Welcome back. It's great to have you here. Much drama awaits. Today, both Clam and myself will be speaking with you about a few things. For a moment, we'll be reflecting on um, the fourth Indigenous Triennial at the NGA on Nunawal and Nambri land that I visited last week named Ceremony. We're going to be calling in a friend, Emily. I'm very excited to use a phone. Uh, last time a <laughs> live, phone... Live and local. A phone call came through on the last episode and there's a voicemail waiting to be open. So that's also something to stay tuned for. At some point, we'll also be speaking about a blasphemous article that was written about... Your words, group, not mine. ...a group of galleries happening in Melbourne right now. I thought it was anti-Semitic. <laughs> Finally, we might take a moment to think about uh, a Cubanon incident, a mysterious disappearance at a nightclub. And lastly, the things that many listeners have tuned in for, we lost a great man this month. Babs? Shane Warne's memorial ceremony was hosted last night at the MCG. Your hosts were in attendance. For anyone wanting to know, the tickets were free and state funeral funded. It's I for had the people. Six of them. Babs had six. Four people came. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be yeah the thing we'd like to kick off with because really it was momentous for a few occasions. Um, we'll kick off with an amazing radio play made by our musical partner Moishi. Um, this is to get all the listeners in the mood for Shane Wan's passing our memorial service. Soundscape! <laughs> Shane Wan, uh, I don't think I'm giving anything away because I've said it before that I think Shane Wan is the greatest leg spinner who's uh, ever lived. And uh, he's had a lot of competition over the years, but he's turned cricket around. Very few people can come into a cricket team and change the whole face of the game as Warren did. He's out. That's what you ball once again. By Shane Warren. The ball dipping nicely. Tendulkar thought that the ball was up there for the drive. He tried to play a little up his drive, trying to go over extra cover. Edged it. And Mark Taylor has taken a splendid reflex action catch at slip. With your first ball in Ashes, uh, in Ashes Tour was uh, something you don't even dream of, is it? Were you as shocked as everyone else when you got Mike Gatting with that first ball? Yeah, well, I got lucky there. It was just uh, when you first come on the bowl, you just sort of try and get as many balls as you can in the right spot. And uh, that one sort of got in the right spot and must have hit something on the wicket and actually hit off stump. Started off with the most beautiful delivery. He's done it. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. He 
asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod. That's all it needed. Well, that has turned about two and a half feet. Gannon can't believe his eyes. What a start for Shane Warne. Rest in peace, Warney. Um, as an audience member who frankly doesn't know shit about cricket, I think it was really enjoyable to hear that radio play because you really get an understanding of like what he actually did was like play that game, um, which I barely understand. But something I will say to my co-host is that there's two things that I love in life. Um, it's sporting interpersonal dramas and public sex scandals. So when Babs told me that there were tickets available to a Shane Warne state funeral, I thought that is a secular event that I just cannot miss. Um, Babs, how did you come across these tickets? Or how did you know? The moment that Shane Warne died, I got a notification on my iPhone. What's was, the, set the scene. What was the time? Because it was late. I also remember. Yeah, I, li- oh, I, I was out. I, it's it's a bit blurry. I don't know where I was, but but the the moment was clear. The notification came up. Um, it was just good to experience like a collective historical moment like that. It's been a bit rare. Like I'm quite used to waking up to a notification or hearing yeah. about things secondhand. I kind War of have Ukraine yeah, tweets floods. I, I haven't read the news in a long time, so it it felt good to yeah just be alive for a moment and. Um, once I realised that a state funeral was coming, I understood that I simply had to go <laughs> and bring as many people as I could. I love a state-sanctioned event. They never make any sense. They're normally to distract or propagate something, like the Mumba Festival that was last weekend or whatever. This was and definitely it- to propagate something. Like, give some context. So the state funeral was, yeah, a huge funeral funded by the Victorian state government held at the MCG, Shane Warne's beloved home ground. Um, capacity, 100,000. We got tickets. I would say, ooh, audio is cutting out a little bit. Juicy. I'd say that there was um, maybe 30,000 people there. I don't know. I'm Let's a, call it 25. 25. There was a substantial amount of people there all stacked up around the stands of the G. People out the front. I don't know. How would you describe the punters there? A good mix. A lot of really uh, lovely men. Everybody was just sort of walking around. There, the intriguing like transformation between um, legend status from life and death was profoundly felt around the Warney statue. Mm. There's a statue outside of Gate Three of the G in between two different donut stands uh and it depicts Warney doing his famous sorry what's it called spinny hand <laughs> i think it's called spin. a bowl over spin <laughs> that one where he does the throwing thing <laughs> and it's so confusing there's already something no, engraved a on... leg spin bowl, no leg I spin think. yeah 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 um they told us like six billion times last night but i still can't no but catch the it. other like difficult thing to get your head around is that there's like heaps of other specific name for the types of balls he threw like flip it like the flippies ball <laughs> or something yeah Anyway, the so statue... The, the memorial has, a, like, a grand statement on it and it's unclear if they've engraved that before he died or after he died. What did it say? Oh, just something like that, like, Shane Warne changed the history of cricket, which is what I've gained. Like, it yeah. seems quite clear he was, like, the best in the world, the, the one who, like, made a whole generation of people spin the ball one way instead of the other way. Um, but it's kind of fun to think about like he had this whole big status while he was alive of being larger than life legend and I'm not sure if in the space of the few weeks since he's died shame which his dad said it was like 28 days five hours two minutes ago when the family's really hard I'm like has much changed since then has he become any more of a legend I'm not sure like as far as what we know about him it's I've definitely learned a lot I've learned a lot. Let's discuss like him as a figure because I think the appeal of him, like he's a complex figure that I've had to reckon with a lot in the last few weeks as we've built our way up to this story. Um, And the, you know, the DMs keep coming in with really, frankly, bad stories about Shane Warne being a bad, bad man. Um, But I think his appeal to people was, A, his like insane talent. Like there's something just very appealing about 
sheer virtuosity. You know, when someone's born and they're just like freakishly good at things. Well, I'm not sure if it was born talent. Something I learned about him last night is that I love a tragic backstory. They they told this story three times and they didn't clear it up at any point. It's just an old recording of Shane saying, oh, yeah, when I was a boy, somebody came up behind me and broke both my legs. What? His fa- yeah, his father then went on to build a – it's called a trolley. There's um, I do not photos which aren't circulated a lot, but you can find them online, of him – at several points in his life, I think it was when he was six years old or something, he kind of had to be in a plank permanently and with both arms was like turning this wheel contraption. And that's where he got those magic wristies from. And that's why he grew up to have the power to do what he could. And yeah. also why he had such a profound fashion for like flinging money at charities for children with terminal illness. Well, aside from that, so the technical skill is one thing, but the other thing that really came out last night loud and strong was that he was just like a beloved larrikin, quote-unquote, just like a serious Aussie bloke of the type that, like, maybe for the best we probably won't ever see again. He was an absolute monster that was partying all the time. He, This is where it gets dicey. He was kind of notorious for his horny public behaviour. Um, reports have come in of him sending, like, many unsolicited dick pics, being a DM absolute fiend. The whole, like, way through the ceremony, there was kind of... They didn't really get into the details of his like most sordid public sex scandals but the thrum and hum of them was there like underpinning the, the best affair. speaker of the night you you guessed it <laughs> Wait, sam newman okay let's sorry do, why don't <laughs> no i was sorry reading, it was danny minogue wrong. danny minogue gave a fantastic <laughs> i speech. told you it was the woman from the un <laughs> okay, okay let, well, let's, let's go through the, the top funeral. surprises so yeah. okay the structure of the funeral when you got there was that there was a documentary playing called like goodbye warney or goodbye something. warney it started at 5 45 p.m i missed that because i was running late but babs caught that um it just recounted it was an old one from when he retired which is quite intriguing like we were already saying goodbye <laughs> to him treating him like he was dead once he retired but now he's really dead again i ask what's the difference legend status brings up questions um so after we arrived i arrived on the dot for the ceremony they had this very somber um great image on the like these sheets that they were handing out to everyone saying mr shane warne in black and white also funny what she was saying like normally when it's someone that famous with like that big of a fuck off funeral they'd have like a sir or like an OBE but he just got like a single like Mr. Shane Warne but this really fantastic photo of him in black and white illuminated um like doing like doffing his hat or something Mm. doffing his hat on the pitch like it's like this combination of showmanship and also acumen on the field and right behind the hat there was this swirly digital effect so it it looked like it was like glowing and twisting it was really kind of like magic realism I I liked it a lot a lot of fun really average lighting effects at Mm. certain points during the night the entire like big stadium lights (laughs) flickered like a really bad jazz hand I Mm. really liked it it was like the lighting person just wanted to be amongst it so we were up in the like cheap seats well I guess they were all free seats but we were up in the like povo section in the back of the stand but in the center of the G on the pitch they had set up a kind of VIP section for all of his friends and intimates and then a big stage and then they were broadcasting people from the stage onto big screens and presumably live and as far as stage production I'm so sorry if this is a spoiler okay if anybody has not watched the latest iteration of the Sex and the City canon just like that log off now (laughs) okay so big ties right and there's this whole thing about how the funeral needs to be styled extremely simplistically Mm. and they show up and it's kind of like a white cube room with these plastic clear chairs. um, Yeah, it's like Green Naftali, like this bougie contemporary art gallery. And that's that's exactly what this looked like last week. It did not. Yes, it did. That stage in the middle of the room, it was the exact same set, set design. No, but if you looked away from the stands and stuff, the VIP section at the bottom, it was... Mr. Big's funeral. In my opinion, it was and this bloodly. Was Mr. It was Big's bloodly. Funeral. It had bright red lighting everywhere. Anyway, his family was there, which was like genuinely really upsetting to see. But there was also other celebs there. Um, the structure was that basically they just bought out star after star to have a chat about Warney's legacy. Heaps of like men that were affiliated with cricket that Babs and I like didn't understand at all. Um, his anyway, any kind of like standouts from those ones. Um, 
Yeah, I liked Michael Clark. Michael Clark a few times made mention of the way that Warney supported him when it sounds like he was really alone and sad. Yeah. Uh, I like that small emotional break. Yeah, in two different interviews, historical and otherwise. The best thing about the special guests is that in advance um, on – national television they advertised the lineup but they were super vague about who would be there in person and who would be live streamed so I didn't (laughs) tell Cam the lineup in advance because I wanted her to be surprised but there was a small part of me that thought maybe we would experience be experiencing Elton John, (laughs) Robbie Williams, Carly Minogue and Danny Minogue (laughs) and Ed Sheeran Sheeran. and Chris Martin. I was gearing up. I was like, this is going to be the best free ticket you could possibly get at the gym. But then it was basically just like a group Zoom call for (laughs) most of it. It It's like a massive high production funeral Zoom call of hell famous people. Anthony Kalia did perform live in a gymnastics vest covered in sequins with the number 23 on it, which was good. I think my favourite part of the phone-ins were not the famous people who were kind of boring and pre- like chaste and predictable but like the weird charity and business figures oh, that were yes. associated with Shane Warne like the one guy Shane that Shane Warne sold more houses than <laughs> yeah. anybody I've no, ever met he's like I love that guy this business guy came on the screen and he's like people understood that he's like people understood that Shane Warne was a uh, serious cricket player one of the best leg bowlers in the entire world but they did not understand that he made significant contributions to the business community <laughs> when, he's like, when he says like every time Warney had a chance of closing a commercial deal or spending time with his family he always chose the family <laughs> sounded like, like he had a lot of deals going though he was he like deals, deals, his, deals. his his level of skill like transcended all all odds because you know he tried and failed with footy then he was with cricket he obviously he did great at, he did cricket. try with foul with oh, sorry yeah. sorry no with footy but he did well with the cricket yeah i also just like this again i'm whatever the limits of perception i can't watch cricket because I can't see the ball move that fast. My eyes can't see it. So last night I was trying really hard and I still, it's too fast for my eyes to see. So yeah, I could only really engage on the level of the person. I think the values communicated were important, like values like loyalty, uh, believing in your family, being, they didn't discuss him being horny, but it was a subtext. There, Sam Newman said that nobody oh, yeah. should ever be allowed to look at his phone, for yeah. one. Sam Newman, who's obviously, like, one of the most class A fucked Australian media figures, he it must be said that he his performance was quite good at the funeral. Yeah, really good. It's <laughs> like, the only one I've seen reposted on Facebook today. Yeah, there um, was one really... Okay, the highlight was probably where Babs, Babs and I had a sombre face on for the majority of the funeral, like, keeping it you know, dignified and locked. But when a woman from the UN Conservation Department came on to talk about the contributions that Warney had made to saving Sri Lankan's sea turtles, we really lost it. (laughs) No, it was absolutely wild. Like, Sam Newman remarked on the way that Warney managed to proliferate even the UN. It, It kind of worked on the level of, like, deep state theory stuff. Like, how the hell could they not get Elton John to show up, but they could get someone from the UN to come from Geneva in person to speak? Like, what What are they trying to get us to do and believe? There's something about just, like, when you see that, that weird corporate sponsorship world laid bare like that in that performative way, you're like, Jesus Christ, there's so many weird enterprises, weird grifts, weird deals going on that we just have no, like, party to. Well, money makes the world go around. Like, that's... It, it, it's always <laughs> going to be words. everything. No, we'll talk about it with Emily in a sec, but it was like the same as the um, triennial. If you go online and look at the digital publication, the entire forward is written by West Farmers. Um, mm. I don't know. It's always going to be about the sponsors. This one was a bit vague, though. I couldn't see any like recurring brands coming up. There was a nice abstract light proje- projection on the um, stands that my eyes were willing into Coca-Cola ads, but they were for nothing. Like, yeah, most of the commercial value was sort of lost. Well, it was, yeah, it wasn't a commercial event. It was a nice event. To it was honor. dry, no it, alcohol. It was, yeah, no alcohol, which says a lot about the kind of punters and munters that they were expecting. I think I really resonated with something that his dad said, which I think spoke to his appeal. He, said, he was, like, keeping it real. He's like, as Shane always said about himself, I drank, I smoked, and I played a little cricket. Oh, <laughs> rest in peace, King. Should we move it on? Yeah, let's give Emily a call. All right.
Well, first, we'll have our ad break. My name is Melissa Egan. I'm speaking to you today on behalf of the Lion's Share, a United Nations-backed wildlife fund, co-founded by Mr Shane Warne. Warney played the charity game as hard as he played cricket. People always talk about how he tried to fuck every cook-eyed clad 20-something on Instagram, but they never talk about the work he did for our Sri Lankan sea turtle conservation unit or our brand new all-female anti-poaching unit in Indonesia. But we, the United Nations, thank him. Thank you, Warney. You can thank him too, with a bit of money for the girls with guns in a faraway jungle up in the sky. Donate to the lion's share today. Raw. All right, time to phone in. Any intro that you want to say to start? Yeah, perhaps that um, I went up to see the exhibition because Emily, who's an unbelievable artist, um, a Bundawan person um, who hosted me on You and Country last week, she has been gunning at getting all of these soundscapes up onto the digital um, documentation for the show online and she was going to have two live performances at the NGA as well. So... Um, I think that it's just great to get some insight into what the whole production was like from 12 to top to bottom. It was a six month production time for M and um, yeah, it'll just be good to kind of check in, hear some things. I know you, you know, the art history stuff, which we might not. So Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm really interested in it. And I'm also keen to do a phone in a new format for us. So here goes. (laughs) It's like realizing recently that the Telstra phone boxes are free because <laughs> they're advertisements. Calling. Whatever, I'll just say. Wait, you guys should use phone boxes all the time. Hello, hello, <laughs> Emily. Oh my god, it worked. Can you hear us? Yeah, I had you. I, I just muted you off the computer, but I'm, I'm we're good now. Mm, wow. Oh, hang on, I'm so turning connected. it up on my phone. One sec. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, how's things? Uh, things are good. We're just getting our second bout of. Big rain down here, mm-hmm. up here, um, and but we've got the moat as Babs as Babs would know about. What's the moat? Uh, we we had to dig a moat around our house because it was flooding. Oh, Emily says we. <laughs> Emily had one moment where the the floods came down. So Emily's on um you and country in Bateman's Bay, um which had heaps of rain while Em was there by herself. So. In the in like a split second, from what I can recall, Emily did a few things like dig a moat around the house, pull out the entire carpet, a joey that offered itself up to them by splitting its head on the concrete. She then she then skinned in one go. Jeez, um, I do not. I, I live in the concrete jungle. I can barely even get myself to Brunswick and back. <laughs> um, but amazing that the moat has held up. That is proper yeah, infrastructure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we're good. Awesome. We're good up here. I'm glad to hear it. Um, have you been feeling since the opening? Um, oh, it's been it's been good to have some rest. Uh, and yeah, I guess in a way, like being away from the gallery as well is nice. And kind of, I don't know, it was good to go through the process and kind of understand. Like it was, you know, the 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 exhibition is about ceremony and I think that the way that that's kind of like resonating through the space through the work is really real but there's still such a like a wait I'm sorry we're having a we're having an interruption we are having a technical difficulty one second (laughs) one sec one break Hey, listeners, sorry, we're just having some technical difficulties. We'll be with you in one moment. All right, testing, testing. Sorry, Emily. Can no you, worries. Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I've got you. Okay, we were hearing you, but our uh, rabid audience who tunes in live, unfortunately, it was a little bit quiet for them. So let's go back. Um, You were making work for the last six months for Ceremony. What were you actually making? I'm, I'm a bit out of the loop. Um, well, it was meant to, like, okay, the the idea was that it was meant to be, like, I was composing 
original scores for each of the artists' video work. Well, the like the video of them on like on country talking about their practice and talking about how that practice like relates to their ceremony <clears throat> and um like having a ceremony I get you know in 2022 and what that looks like is so varied so it's kind of specific to um the artists but given it was you know COVID and like all these pushbacks and just the gallery in and of itself and I guess the time that it runs on I ended up doing most of it last week (laughs) (laughs) in in and amongst like playing at Hopkins Creek and having a birthday yeah the birthday being the most important that's impressive yeah I look I looked I looked munted speaking of speaking of munted people I it was it was a hard week but got through it (laughs) you looked great on the day how good does it feel to finish something and then go home and be like I can't even listen to that um what was the actual installation like, though? Like, how's the space looking? I have FOMO because Bab's got to visit, but I haven't been up to the NGA um, yet um, to see the show. It's pretty. It's it's amazing. It it's it the way that the works speak to each other is is really really seamless. Um, but at the same time, each work stands out as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a really really beautiful exhibition. You got yep. to be kind of a part of. Joel Springs work, right? The wood was cut on you. Oh country. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Joel's work were um, imprints in concrete of wood that was um, cut on you and country, which was like extremely affected by the bushfires. Um, and the wood, the wood came from country, and then the imprints were left within them so it was kind of like an architectural intervention into that crisis um and yeah do you mind talking a bit about what the chopping was like oh yeah um so sam and i my friend who i live with who also lives on budawang country um were up there and joel had requested some of because joel does work on UN country since the fires about the absence of sound and and what that means for indigenous people on country um like the role of sound and how important it is uh for identity but also just like navigating for balance um for understanding how to survive essentially and sam and i both didn't really know how to use a chainsaw and we went down to the house and bruce pascoe was down there and he was just like oh yeah i'll be up there in 10 minutes and he like goes and grabs his chainsaw <laughs> Like this little like electric chainsaw and he's just trying to get through all this wood and it's just not working. So we got the big one and he's like, he's pretty much deaf and he just went to town on this massive pile of wood and he couldn't hear us being like, that's enough. And he's like, just <laughs> cutting all this wood, just kept cutting it, kept cutting it. Um, and then we stacked it up in the ute and drove it up to Canberra and yeah, handed it over to Joel. And then he made the work um, out on... Nunawal, Nambri country, and now it's in the gallery. You've got so. a bit of a thing for chainsaws now, didn't you? Also, do take a recording of an amateur chainsaw hacker the other week. Oh, that was yeah, that was Sam. That's going into our album. It's it's a pretty good record. It was funny because Sam just heard the chainsaw, and I saw the person chainsawing, and this guy was just not not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, um, I was reading. I wanted to ask you as a uh, art art history fan girl. I was actually coincidentally reading a essay that Hedy Perkins wrote in 1991, last week, mm. in this Anne Marsh book. Um, it is amazing to see, I guess, the kind of like militancy and research and commitment that she's brought to bringing First Nations art into those massive galleries for so long now. Um, what was it like to work with her and like hear her kind of vision for the ceremony idea and show? Um, yeah, yeah, Hedy is, uh, Hedy's amazing, like, I, I think that, like, I think that we all had a different experience of working with the gallery, but I, I think my heart really goes out to Hedy because she copped it as well, mm-hmm. um, just, I guess, like, dealing with the institution and, like, like, kind of what I was saying earlier, like, the ceremony is happening there and it's happening right now and it's always happening but there are these really real structures and people 
within that that institution that are sort of like just kind of I don't know like kind of silencing almost like what's being what is kind of trying to call out and like kind of ripple like all across Canberra essentially Mm. Um, and I think that was a really like I had an uncle come up for the exhibition and he was really shocked and disappointed about how little mob there was at the gallery and I think that kind of really spoke volumes for like I don't know, the state that the gallery is still in um, and how far it has to go, but that what Hetty's doing is so far beyond what they even conceive of, of what, like, the sort of implications are of Harry, having that ceremony be in that space. Mm. Um, but she's she's amazing. Like, she is very supportive and, um, yeah, I don't know, like, just the utmost respect um, and love to Hetty. Um it's people like her that sort of, you know, keep, you know, keep a lot of people going and keep a lot of hope in the community. And it's so beyond, like, I, I guess, how any of us kind of currently perceive art. It is, it is really a ceremony. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I want to yeah. ask you about that. Like, it sounds like she's fully, um, I don't know, creating a vision and like setting setting a standard for future practice. I know that you're making. Sorry, call me out if it's a spoiler, but you and Sam are making work, um, which is sound and ceremony, um, which mm. which is like definitely linked to what um, your peers are making as well. But I wanted to know, thinking about that project and then going and seeing the works at ceremony, like have you come away feeling like you've seen a different side of the interpretation of ceremony and art practice or... Are you on the same straight and narrow? Um, yeah, I think I, I saw, like, I guess the, the really nice part about, uh, like, an exhibition like that, but also, like, just, uh, like, the ceremony in, of itself in the gathering was just seeing the way that all of these First Nations people are creating their own ceremonies and how they, you know, are expressing their identities. So having, you know, trans people and queer people and the way that they're creating those like similar to what Sam are doing, like creating these new song lines and song series about all of these things that have really, that are a part of our identity now. And it's it's kind of like, there's always this conversation about what was um, rather than what is and what's now and, and kind of like how culture is evolving and how ceremony is evolving. And I think that the opportunity that Hedy provided, like every one of those artists in that space is really just starting those conversations and those conversations will be taken back to everyone's country. And hopefully the pe- like, you know, the non-Indigenous people who see it will understand that as well. But I, I think as I was saying earlier, I'm not sure, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how much that's coming across. Just So in terms of, like, the sponsors stuff that you were saying, at the opening, like, the, the opening opening where it was just, like, all the artists and what I wasn't expecting fuckloads of sponsors all these white people um they nick mitskovich was like there's about 17 to 25 artists like i, I don't know the exact number because there's collectives mm. as well that aren't really listed specifically but he was like oh all the artists and he's like too many to name and then literally for 20 minutes named about 25 sponsors yeah um, there's something so confronting about that big performance in those massive institutional spaces of those like corporate figures there um it reminds me of like I don't know if you were in for queer and but like that yeah the similar thing they were like and now American Express is here and it's like really jarring when you see that I guess disconnect between like the communities whose work is filling the space and then these like corporate people mm-hmm. well it's funny yeah, yeah. that like right now uh, in Sydney, the Biennale is happening, mm. and um, a lot of the Biennale is focused on um, relating to bodies of water um, as artists and thinking about non-human art practice. Um, referring mm. to a case in Aotearoa where, um, like, a, a settler uh, court recognised a river as a legal body, and it's also kind of fun. Yeah then to just like think about the way that um corporations are legal persons but maybe in the space of the nga and otherwise like 
what it would be like on a lineup because like on a lineup where you see everybody's names for a gallery or the artists you're also seeing all the sponsors names it'd be kind of cool if west farmers had to produce an artwork about ceremony (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that is such a good idea do you really want to see a west farmers ceremony (laughs) i grew up in wa i'll do anything west farmers wants me to do (laughs) even the nga building is like that space is so specific. I mean, I think it's a quite beautiful building, but it's a severe building, I guess. It's so easy to get trapped there. Like, there's no reception inside. <laughs> I've spent five days there at a time just, like, sleeping in the basement kind of and walking around. Em, I feel like you you literally struggled to get in and out, right? Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't. I couldn't get in and out because I, I, I didn't have a police check. But I also remember on uh, Saturday, Babs had been at the gallery for, like, two hours and <laughs> I hadn't even been to the exhibition yet. Yeah. Because they couldn't even find it. Because Babs loves loitering in public spaces. Like, I remember they used to, (laughs) when they were in Canberra, like, a year ago or so, they kept on (laughs) FaceTiming me and they'd set up, like, a hotspot desk on one of the chairs in the gallery. They're like, beautiful space. I'm like, (laughs) you can't just work from, like, the middle of the, like, sitting in the middle of the gallery. But I guess you can. It's, like, technically our public space. So, you know, why not? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I... One, like, work that I've been reflecting on a bit and I think it might, like, frame our experience getting there and leaving um, and just thinking about now trying to access the works online. Um, Who was the artist? Give me a sec. Um, Oh, yeah, uh, Daryl Sibisato did a work um, using barred shell carving designs in an in LED light sculptures. It was three lights on the wall and they were um, part of the process of coming and going from ceremony. There was also Mm. another work um, with cars that had been um, repurposed, cars that are like left in the bush. Um, And both of those works were really emphasising. And that, by the way, is a work that I found by myself in a random part of the gallery. It wasn't in the ceremony bit. And it was fitting that it was there. Kudos. Exit the toilet. Um, You're like, oh, my God, there it is. They, yeah, this emphasis on um, ceremony also being about how you get there and what happens when you leave and all the things around it um, is something that, like, is familiar with me, to me, in Jewish practice, but also just, like, yeah, being being around in the world and like carrying those memories with you um and thinking about like yeah maybe like ceremony is something that like doesn't have a start and ending point um yeah which is a challenge when you're walking into a massive mm-hmm. exhibition like that who am i where am I? Where the, where the fuck am I? Do I really need three <laughs> sausages go? in this hot dog for $12? It's just concrete everywhere I look. Brutalism. <laughs> um, anyway, I have, yeah. I, <laughs> I see you there in my mind's eye. And it, yeah, it's part of your, your, what you bring with your culture to the gallery. Um, and it's been really good to chat. We might leave it there. I'll talk to you yep. later. Um, All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks so much. Lots of love. Go and see the show. It's on for another few months. Yep. Yeah. Go and see the show, <laughs> listeners. And, right. I, and before you oh, even yeah, go, log, em- log online, watch every video and listen to Em's work. It's fucking good. Oh, I'll add, by the way, like as far as appreciating silence, you would have liked them. Last night at the start of Warney's Memorial, there was a moment of silence and up on level, like cue of the MCG. It was really sick to just like listen to that silence in the in the in the moody sunset yeah Babs was really moved (laughs) (laughs) I I was like weeping in the children's speeches and Babs was like why are you crying I'm like you literally were almost weeping in the silence (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing that's what it's all about all right thanks guys bye 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 all right um good chat okay before we kick on to our next segment which is a very juicy and highly anticipated uh, Spike Art Report. Let's have a little ad break. Oh, Lolita, you're the finest toy poodle in all the land. Right, girl? At Marie's Stope, skanky bitches fucking the dog next door, we know there's nothing that comes between a lonely, anxious young person and their purebred support dog. But sometimes you just can't stop what comes between a dog's leg. Lolita, you got knocked off by the neighbor's staffy cross? That's the second time in three months. 
Lolita? When the unspeakable happens, just put your five-legged nympho mole in the basement like the common slut she is. Then call us, Marie Stopes. We'll be there in a week, and within a month, your little tart will be fresh as a summer's day. Through a holistic practice combining Western and Eastern traditions of shame and chemical sterilization called Bitchin' No More, we'll make sure that you and your tail wagger stay purebred and together forever. Who's a good girl? Marie Stopes' skanky bitches fucking the dog next door for when the puppy fucks. All right. Um, next segment, Spiked. Y'all just got spiked by an article that was published um, in Spike Art Magazine, an international contemporary art magazine, just the other week. Um, it is titled Art Scene Melbourne by George Edison Warburton. And like all good scene reports, it generated a lot of discussion um, in the scene it was reporting on, I think it's fair to say. Would you say, Babs? Yeah, I went on my like on a road trip the next day. So I kind of just had to like assume things were happening. It was the same weekend that there was all that other art shit. You guys had like the car boot sale and the art book fair sale. So I assumed that um, conversations would be flowing. Yeah. So I guess the conversations were flowing because the report was interesting. It was tracking an interesting phenomenon, which is the explosion of tiny artist-run spaces in backyards and sheds, etc., that has happened in Melbourne uh, in the last, I don't know, well, I guess forever, but there's been a certain, like, boost in it. So the article was tracking that scene. It um, named and discussed a few key galleries in the scene and I guess the kind of social ecologies around them. Yeah, um, it tri- well, it tried to point to that. In all fairness, when you write for a random magazine online, editors come in and just flatten everything. So the fact that the argument like wasn't fleshed out, I kind of assume was the editor's thing. There was this. I don't think there's really. It wasn't really meant to be an argument about. Like it's not. An, it was, it was a bit an random. Argument. At the beginning, there was a thesis statement which said something along the lines of, um, "In a city like Melbourne, where there is no pi- private patronage." people make art as a means to participate in a social context and this produces invisible hierarchies. So because people have no hope of selling their work, they just exhibit for one another. The social capital. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I feel like and then, maybe... And that was just said and then it was like a broadsheet listicle of like galleries <laughs> to watch out for. Yeah, so I guess... Well, okay, if the critique of it is that like it was focused on... Too much on the social and not enough on the work. I think there was a lot of discussion of the individual works that had showed in the galleries, which are really interesting. And there's another thesis statement later on, which I think is like worthy of discussing less so than the kind of craven social interactions of a scene, which is that like, what is the funding kind of infrastructure that produces a scene like this? Because there's a good line at the very end where it's like, Melbourne's capital I institutions function on a spectrum of guilt, like glitzy confession boxes which is a very kind of mumba image um acknowledging timidly acknowledging the flaws of the organizations that fund them that i guess i would agree with i think that there's i don't know there's a there's a reason that different kinds of institutions happen in melbourne small and big the sweeping statement that there's no private patronage here i think underestimates the way that support actually takes place so Mm. like by contrast with like trying to make work in a place like new york which is like just just horrible like people have to treat each other like objects to climb a a ladder and so on there are structures here like as far as you know union one minimum wages um centrelink and so on it's not like the 80s and the days of the like he died with a falafel in his hands but there are structures here that allow people to make art more comfortably like it's a it's often a more bourgeois practice Mm. and um there's also a level of private patronage to consider as far as people whose like parents and partners support them um people who um like i don't know the the article seemed to underestimate for example like the stark differences between the models that each of the spaces are experimenting with yeah like but it barely get... mentioned centered editions but when it did it should have made mention of the fact that centered editions is working even though zach lives upstairs it's working on more of a um 
commercial paradigm and is trying to uh, cultivate like a group of pi- private patrons. Mm. Um, but also like I think you can make an argument that like you can broadly say that there's these galleries that are showing outside of state, that all of them are showing outside of state funded institutions. I don't think that they're necessarily free of private patronage. Maybe you could argue that the state is like buttressing our production in that it's funding people's Centrelink or whatever, but not in a like substantial way and I don't think there is that much private patronage I think the more interesting thing is to discuss like the content that can't be included or won't be included in the kind of like mid-tier galleries like I don't know you know ones that are receiving like some level of public funding but are just churning out like really boring shit there's something to be said for the like immediacy and the flippancy of people being able to put out work in that way and yeah it depends. I feel like half of this isn't about the type of work that's happening. So there, like on top of all of the galleries that were mentioned, there are a bunch of other artist-run institutions and small places which aren't within that milieu. And it's not always clear what's going to let someone in and let someone not in, which is a point that mm-hmm. he speaks to. But I think um, it's kind of arbitrary sometimes what work will be shown. Like a lot of people in Melbourne at the moment are really obsessed with like flat abstract um conceptual arts like quite inspired also because by virtue of the institutions of ACA the IMA and I think Monash in particular um the work of Australian artists in the 80s like who still like you know Stephen yeah, yeah, Bram yeah. who makes the work, other John thing is, is like- and stuff like that but those those works are shown in you can see kind of similar works in the house galleries and institutions on that level but it's just like also, boring, boring, boring conversation. Yeah, like yeah. the thing about a scene report is that I think that if it's a scene, and it obviously is a scene where like you know people go and get dressed up in their shitty little outfits and go and get drunk at the openings or whatever. It's like and where dudes write articles that call women <laughs> fashion people. I'm sorry, Babs is writing really an article about where you're the like, these are the boys who make good work. These are the girls who wear high heels and snort ketamine. Okay, like, I told you which before, ones he wants to fuck. you look incredible when you've got your hairy legs out and your little pumps on and you've got the bag at the gallery. I you have lost great. one It's not of about you. I don't think it's about you. My it's issue not. is more like... Too Zionist like, to be included, apparently. Okay, well, I think you're projecting. Um, Babs is like fiending in the comment section being like, the Jews were not included. It was- Everyone replied being like... Oh, actually, I was like almost going to step in myself and be like, yeah, I also. <laughs> anyway, you got I, a lot of love me. in the that comments. That was the Shul Art Space account. It's a, it's a, it's its own entity. Anyway, the more juicy point is if you do a scene report, I think it's good to have a little bit of a count of like a social frisson of the who's who. Not enough names, not enough kind of drama, not enough juicy interactions. Just too much like stark formal description of the work and not enough you know, beef. Well, that's the thing. I think this was an impulse to document something which like might go down in official art history and it might not. Um, But I, I, I'm not the most impulsive person, but I am trying to learn how to think before I speak. And I think when you have an impulse to represent something, you might want to just like think about well, maybe it. we should clear it up for listeners on air do you think if you didn't have a star of david affiliation you would have been included in the article because no it's a provocative i don't make statement. good work maybe <laughs> maybe the issue is that sass is showing shit work. yeah i know that <laughs> look i fucking love that gallery man and i love you <laughs> but some of the quality of the stuff there is like a little you haven't been to vca no thank thank god <laughs> yeah and thank god or we wouldn't be here today <laughs> my mom always said it's better to be nice than to be right and a lot of a lot of the work shown at these galleries is good yes is there it's good there's enough space for everyone sure anyway the other thing that i loved about the article and by loved i mean i found it funny was like this list at the end of the article about like the qualities that make melbourne melbourne which are just like it's just a funny list it's like things that make like any city a city which is like wi-fi gossip rubbish Instagram interview. I guess the interviews are specific. Anyway, I was promised something. I don't know if it delivered, but also hard gig to get. Like no one wants to be delivered the task of having to write a scene report. You kind of fucked from the ins- like the start of it. Yeah, but you choose to do it. You choose like, to do I'm it. Like I'm no longer going to give interviews <laughs> to Vice magazine. No, like you. The main gripe here is like always the gripe of the people who are not included. I'm like that was a hard job. Like it was a hard job. 
I could have done it. You're like, <laughs> that was a hard article. Like, I could have been in it. So basically, I guess the conclusion is it was a fine article. I should have written it. Babs should have been in no it. No way. That's not the conclusion. <laughs> I, I, th- I think the point is if you're going to do a listicle, do a listicle. And if you're going to write an, an article with an argument, write an article with an argument. Yeah. And also, I don't know, maybe beef it up a bit. Like the list of shit that he mentioned could have done with a bit of contextualization like he included world food books in there and kind of pointed to the fact that world food books has had an influence on young artists who are now coming up through there and I think a a little bit of history about what what is a bookstore in comparison to a gallery would have been nice Um, I think exclusion is good I think it's good to exclude people from being in there you don't need to have everyone in there no not at all because you're that's the point as well. Like, it's not exhaustive. It's not. It's not meant to be like um, a quorum. No, it's meant to be. It's like, broad These sheet. are all the it's best spike people. It's just these a are way five of painting restaurants you should a feeling. But do you think it was successful in painting the feeling? Because I feel like it got the tone a bit wrong. Like the the hard and fast line of people make art to participate in a social currency or whatever i think that's a weird way to approach it if we did that for any other kind of like hobby or mode of art like if you tried to say the same thing about djs like people only dj so they can hang out with each other it's not exactly true it's not it's not like some like wild perverse uh, thing no people have a that's the tension with this is like people do actually end up I guess caring about this because they really do care about arts and culture or whatever. The scene is like an addendum to it. I think the funniest bit is Say like scene one more the, time. I dare you. Scene, scene, scene. The end when it's like um, it's like this is like a scene where you can access something sweet and pure and inexplicable. I guess it is inexplicable, but sweet and pure are not words that I would use to describe the piles of trash lumped in people's white walled gardens. It it, it can be quite nice though as well. I'm not sure. Like, I th- I think it's pretty cool that, like, if you imagine discourse, right, as some co- kind of, like, circu- <laughs> I'm imagining circulation it. of ideas, it's, like, really abstract. I think it's it's quite nice that instead of us going to some big block bu- blockbuster gallery every week and just having conversations with the two of us, we go and we go to galleries in people's sheds or whatever and I agree. Have, have actual conversation like the ideas are flowing and then can be responded to really quickly like the rate at which people we, can make mo- make work responding to other work we is li- really we live cool. in the greatest city in the world in the luckiest scene in the planet <laughs> and i think that every single day that i wake up um, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It is what it is. It's a spike art scene report. But the thing about scenes is that they're always shifting. So, you know, next time they want to report, I mean. Well, yeah, that's it. The also, the, the choice of calling it a scene, I'm not sure. Like, I, I think that there's probably room maybe for people start to relate to each other. I think you have too many bones to pick. There's something about scenes, fandom, denial, Instagram. <laughs> Wait, okay. Let's say one final thing before we wrap up, which is the lingering smell of wet carpet. And I just want to say one horrific memory I have of going to the backyard gallery asbestos with Babs, which was probably the most annoying you've ever been to me in your life. Can kick me out of their house. They hadn't slept for like thirty hours and were wearing a huge long macrame knitted dress, like this Masoni like hell piece of shit. Georgie and made it, it it's miracles. <laughs> anyway, it had been pouring with torrential rain, so it was sopping wet and it smelled so bad, like a lingering smell of wet carpet. I was like, you fucking stink. And then they, Babs always wears these really thick framed spectacles, but for some reason that day when they hadn't slept, they decided to put their contacts in. Everyone always looks really bare-faced when you're used to seeing them in contact, in glasses. And then they applied like extreme extremely thick black coal eyeliner to the inner eyelid of their eyes, which made them look like some like Egyptian goddess from hell in a macrame suit. Anyway, they were like following me around, just like completely fuck-eyed in this disgusting, sweaty outfit. After two hours, I was like, I actually need to ask you to leave my presence. <laughs> so, you know, maybe just like have a shower before you head to asbestos next time and you'll get in the article. Should mm. we move on? Yeah, be, anything to say. Be kind to each other. It's so unnecessary. Just like keep making random shit. You might not expect to sell it, but you don't have to be mean about it. Love is love. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Lo- Melbourne Art Scene Love My Report. I'm a nice teen boy who loves a good steak. Last summer, I was very naughty. My mum and dad just didn't know what to do with me. 
He was awful. That's when my family first realised my prepubescent angst could be cured with a medium-rare T-bone steak at a tailored retreat for troubled teens. The Children's Steak Emporium, open in Doncaster every weekend with more information on the website. Now, we couldn't be happier. Say it with me. More steak, nicer children! Oh, shit. Actually, um, Clem, do you mind, before I forget, can we listen to the voicemail from last time? Because I only check them when we're in the studio. And, yeah, I reckon my wife Is could it... still be pissed at me. It's from my it's wife. wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I can't ignore it any longer. <laughs> yes, let's listen to your wife's voicemail. Hi, my doll. Can you do me a favour and not listen to this one with Clem? I have to tell you something. It's a little embarrassing. That itch in my eye just won't go away. I've got no idea what to do. It's driving me crazy. It's oozing now. It's disgusting. I'm sorry, I know this is gross, but yes, I think it's pink eye. Remember how you said it was a little um, rosy the other day? I called Galette and she told me to rub a clove of garlic on top of it. I'll tell you, she's seen things we couldn't even imagine out in Jerusalem. I can't even think about it. Anyway, can you do me a favour and swing past the chemist on your way home? I've called Andrew and he's put a special antifungal aside for me in the after-hours shoot. All right, I'm going to lie down now and keep it closed for a bit, but I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much again, my doll. Please call when you can. Have a good show. Christ, dark days for your wife. Shame, yeah. It, she really it's needs so to go fun- on the show with her, her oozing eye. It's really funny when you, like, experience something so hectic in your body and then it disappears. I remember the weekend that happened. It was horrible. We had quite a few plans to still go to and she showed up with these big dark sunnies. Pretty glamorous affair, all all things considered. Mm. But I I haven't taken a moment since it passed to really think about what she must have been going through and how I wasn't able to be there because I was prioritizing this show. <laughs> Guess I'm not like Warney after all. Family first. Okay, lucky last. I need to ask. On the weekend, there was a party at Miscellanea. Footage emerged all over Instagram. Tweets went out on Twitter. Somebody stole a giant floating cube. There were 10 cubes that had been lighting up and and, and, and flying around the room. QAnon style, it walked out the front door. It's like a, there's three flights. There's like three flights of stairs in the building. Uh, Cam got really excited about it and a constant joy for me in my life is Cam getting excited about things, me not understanding why, but just being, being <laughs> present gonna, to no, us. it's interesting. It's yeah, like a heist, Ocean's Eleven cube style. I love it. I was really invested in the story and my uh, girls' group chat, the ladies were going off. People were really invested in where the cube had gone. Babs is like really uninterested in the fact that this gigantic cube had completely just dissipated from, you know, midair in a huge, heavily populated club in primetime. What's not to be interested about? Tell me more. Where did it take your mind? What did you relate it to? Well, I guess there's something about the object in itself, which is like funny, which is like, why even were there like gigantic illuminated cubes being thrown around the club? Like, did you go there? No, I was driving back from Canberra, but... um. I think it's pretty fun. Like, it kind of has bar mitzvah energy to it. Yeah, it does. Like, it's like every time you go to that club anyway, it's kind of on a, on some nights like a Zuma hellscape. And it kind of reminded me of, like, the vision of being, like, at one of those, um like, water pool party type oh, things. Where there's, and like, every time there's, like, there's the, a ball that slowly floats to you and you just have to tap it up. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was such a spectacle. Such a spectacle. And then to imagine, like... Also, that must be said that the other thing was that, like, the tenor of the post going around was, like, there was obviously a lot of stress and anxiety. Like, I don't run parties. I don't know. It seems hard. But, like, people were obviously really distressed that the cube had been stolen and were, like, mounting a manhunt for the cube, being like, where is the cube? And, like, I don't know, just the tone of the desperation to recover the object was really dragging me into the intrigue. That's what I would it was say. dragging me back into something I've been ignoring a couple of weeks. I'm sorry to the people I love who have to hear this. I didn't want to tell you guys. I've lost my mighty dry herb vaporizer. It looks like a black <laughs> walkie-talkie and it 
it's the most efficient way to vaporize weed in the world in a portable context. If you want to do it at home, you want to use a volcano. Yeah, people um, I, are so <laughs> worried about CubeGate, but not about VapeGate. Well, Where is Babs? <laughs> you, last, last that's weekend, the only way you're interested in this is just to like piggyback on it to find your vape. Last weekend, Izzy um, was kicking on somewhere and there was someone was smoking out of a mighty vaporizer which I've only seen one other time in the city and I asked her gently if she could ask the person if they had stolen it from me and I so I get the logic with the cube like none of us want to be a cop until our mighty oh cube God. that just reminded me of stolen. something really embarrassing that what? happened to me which is that I was at a pub in Fitzroy and saw a huge industrial vape on a windowsill and was like, someone's left that there. What? And took, this is not your vape. This is like five <laughs> years ago. And I took it and put it in my bag because mm. I really wanted to vape. And which was bad. Like it was just, I'm not a, th- I'm not a thief. It's okay it was just to a spur be a thief. of the moment decision. And this guy immediately turned around and was like, can you give back my vape? It was so humiliating. Anyway, I imagine that's like a, what the guy that stole the cube whose image has been proliferating on Instagram. That wasn't feels him, like now. by the way. Oh, really? That, Even that worse. For, no, him, that photo that's identity. going around on the internet is not the person who took the cube. Shame. It was somebody else. Anyway, whoever took the cube is probably feeling really stressed right now, <laughs> even though he shouldn't have taken the cube. But, yeah, I guess imagining him probably a little bit fucked, like taking this pretty sizable cube. Like I'd say it's like a metre. No, maybe not a metre by a metre. Maybe like 80 centimetres by 80 mm, centimetres. Yeah. It's big. Like you'd yeah. have, you'd wrap your arms around it. Yeah. Three flights of stairs to go down. Um, people were speculating that it was an inside job. We don't think so. No, I don't think anybody. Just intuitively. Would do that. Very nice people run that place. Not a lot to gain. I guess that's the other thing. Is like the motive is just so kind of tragic and plain, which is obviously this guy was just completely fucked and was like. How funny would it be if I just took this cube? It's probably sitting in his like horrible college dorm room with a bunch of munters all around it. He should go and place it in the middle of a desert and pretend it just like had a miraculous appearance. Well, that was the other thing I was thinking about, which is that notoriously a Picasso was stolen from the NGV by some VCA students in like the 80s or 90s. And then I think they didn't realize how kind of scandalous it would be, um, Picasso Gate. And then they had to return it famously to the Flinders Street station. They left it in a locker there. And I was like, that's the issue with this cube is that it's such a sizable thing to steal that it's like hard to imagine returning it discreetly. If you know Have I, mean. I already told that story about the... I don't want to spoil the story. The thing in the suitcase on the tram around Flinders Street that showed up in another artwork. Have I told that on this show? Is this a story that's really notorious about a girl that um, accidentally yeah, kills yeah, a family? Yeah. <laughs> that's a real story. Did we talk about the... Fa- de- okay, so... Yeah, this this will be it. Um, This is a memo about losing things around Flinders Street. Um, A friend of mine told me this anecdote. (laughs) That same weekend I had seen this anecdote in a piece of art in a gallery. It's an urban myth that everybody wants to claim possession of. I heard it in Fremantle too, but it's definitely true. Um, Basically, a young woman was babysitting a dog for a family. At some point in the weekend, the dog passed away. She put the dog in a suitcase, got on the tram, got off at Flinders Street Station. (laughs) A young, kind person turned to her and offered to help her lift the bag off of the tram and then proceeded to run away with the bag, assuming there were CDJs Yeah, that's the crucial bit. What have you got in the bag? She can't say a huge hound corpse, so she has to say CDJs. (laughs) He runs away with the bag, opens it up. You can Dead imagine dog. what happens next. What a fucking dog. He got him what he deserved. Imagine there's like someone walking around with a like taxidermy dog, but inside it is actually the cube. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's such an indiscreet object. That's what the main appeal of it is to me. Anyway, well, I guess I guess we're putting this out there to the listeners. I was initially going to say if you see the cube, like probably return it. But now I guess we're expanding it. If you see Babs vape, also please return it. If there's any other lost and found items, uh, I don't think I have anything that I've lost notably. But, yeah, if you have anything that you've lost that you need put into the uh, crowd, let us know. But, yeah, bring that cube back if you can. But also, if it gets lost, fuck it. It's just a cube. All right. Anything final to wrap up with, Babs? Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you as well to Kiki, Sam, Lucy, Channon, and Mumu, that 5,000 Moishi, our grand production crew. Incredible, Clamp, incredible. Vail Shane Wan. Vail Shane Wan to finish. Vale Shane Wan. <laughs> RIP, brother. Rest in peace. Um, thanks, Babs.
All right. Bye, everyone. Vegan bone broth. Drink it from a can. It's an energy drink. Liven up, 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 up. Vegan bone broth. You can do it, girl. Get it, get it. VBBB is a unique beverage, animal life and spirit. A combo that maximum life force kind of day. Chi, 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 galore. Vegan bone broth, vegan bone broth, vegan bone broth, vegan bone broth. And now that has to me.